Thank you for supporting our channel. Thank you for supporting Wizan. Please like, subscribe, comment, and hit the notification bell for any future videos. Today's podcast is two really wonderful Afghanistan students that I have grown to love and adore uh, over the years. Mohammed Heha and Najib Husseini. Husseini. That is a hard name to pronounce, isn't my, it? My na- name is uh, hard to pronounce, but it's got very, got very good uh, meaning. What's the meaning? Uh, well-wisher. Well-wisher. Well-wisher for everyone. Okay. Uh, well-wisher for everyone. That, and it's your nature as well. That's correct, absolutely. Yeah. Husseini doesn't have any meaning, really, does it? It's just a carried-on name. It has, actually. Najib has got, like, you know, like, generous. What does it mean? Uh, generous, you know, being, being generous. Oh, you're generous. Yes. I thought you meant jaundice, like when you go <laughs> yellow. <laughs> generous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Generous. Uh, so it's lovely to have you uh, in the Wizan School as students. And obviously over time, uh, I'd say we're friends. I've really enjoyed having you here and I really want to see you succeed. Um, uh, Najib, what level are you on now? I am uh, 21 at the moment. 21, so close. Yeah. yeah. So no points on 21s. No points at the moment. Yeah. Okay. And you've got a few stories that maybe we can share about your journey on the knowledge. And Mo, what are you on at the moment? Uh, recently, uh, I dropped uh, on 21. Yeah, and I'm uh, going next week. My first one, first twenty-one. Yeah, so th- on twenty-ones, you know, you could be literally three months away from the end. It's uh, quite exciting to be so close to the end. Never uh, uh, know. You never maybe, know. Maybe, maybe not. Well, I'm wishing you well. I'm a well wisher. Thank you. And I'm being very generous to yeah, you thank as you. well. Yeah. As Hopefully, Nidja. Yeah. Um, on the twenty-ones. So, how many years have you been doing this, Mo? Uh, on my, uh, I started the knowledge in my blue book, uh, then uh, suddenly COVID started. And uh, then uh, I stopped there and not memorizing everything. So suddenly uh, I received a call from TFL. They said, uh, you have to come for your uh, map test. I said, wow. And I couldn't remember that. So then uh, I asked them, uh, give me a time. Then they called me a couple of, after a couple of weeks again. And I said, okay, book me one. So they booked me an, uh, r- around, uh, so far, 18 months I'm on appearances, and I'm 21 now. And I've done, uh, about a year, I've done the blue book and the radius map, all of it. Fantastic. And that's my time. Okay, well done. Really, really well done. Commendable. And what about you, Naj? How long have you been doing it now? I, I started like 2019. Right. Yeah. So you're coming up three years? Yeah. And you're yeah, on 21s? Yeah, three and a half. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's amazing. And um, how have you found the appearances? You found that they've been fair. You're happy with everything. How it's gone, or you got any grievances? To be honest, I don't know what to say. Is uh, is kind of part of game when you come to this game. Is um, you, you have to work hard anyway. What, you know, whatever is given to you, the mm-hmm. examiner, you have to work as much as you can. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you lack as well when you go there. The things you never been asked asking you, and then sometimes you go. They're asking to see the line straight away. Yeah. yeah. We, we spoke about this yesterday in the school about the fact that imagine how hard it would be for me, for example, if I moved from here and I went to live in Karachi, for yeah. example, in Pakistan, <coughs> and I be, wanted to become a taxi driver there. And I then need to learn the language and then need to learn the names of the roads. And I also need to learn to be the standard that we've learned to be in terms of the knowledge of how we get from A to B and the names of all the restaurants, all in the, a language that's not my first language. How incredibly amazing the achievement would be to do that. And you guys have just done that. Yeah, it is actually. You're right. Uh, uh, you made a good point. Uh, when we go sometimes to appearance, um, the examiners, you know, some of the examiners, I can't mention the name, but they <laughs> they pick up, you know, they, when we call the runs and then pick up, you know, the words we're saying. Yeah. So you can't understand your, you know, the, the accents. Yeah. And sometimes even we find the points and then even as hard to pronounce is the French language yeah. involved in different, you know, language. Mm. And it's hard to pronounce some of them. It's a can't remember even. Oh, in yeah. the English language, I th- I found that the English language, although lots of people speak it, from my experience of languages, I don't think the English language is actually very simple to learn, especially the written part. And the classic word for this as an example is the word enough. Yeah. The word enough in English is spelled E-N-O-U-G-H. That's it makes idea. no sense whatsoever to anyone. <laughs> What's going on? Whereas I, my Turkish that I'm learning... In Turkish, is very frank. the The way it's spelt is the way it's said. 
So if you can, when you read the words, you have a very, very good idea of how it's said. I don't know what it's like in Pashtun or Farsi, but it's um, a different altogether. In Afghanistan, um, 99% of the population are Muslim. Yep. We had uh, a few Sikh from Afghani Sikhs, which now they are all, most of them run away. Yeah. From India. <laughs> and a few of them left, uh, a handful of them, a few of them left. Uh, they are going away. As well, yeah. leaving the country, which is uh, very painful, and they are very lovely people, very, very hardworking people. Yeah. Uh, in our country at the moment, especially Taliban took over, uh, minorities they are under threat, and uh, if you don't uh, speak Pashto, believe me or not, uh, you're in trouble. Mm. You're in trouble, and uh, the situation is very bad. People they don't understand in here. Whatever they see in media, in TV, it's nothing. Yeah. They are not really showing exactly what is going on. Uh, so in Afghanistan, the other religion and minorities, they don't have life in there. Yeah, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Can you, how, did, how did you come to be here in England? Uh, my uh, main reason coming here, the same war, which... Uh, we uh, we had a very good life in Kabul. My father was working in. Uh, uh, he was as a counselor in four districts of Kabul, and uh, our, me, my sister and brother was uh, going to school, and I was very intelligent student at school. So when the Taliban took over, same night, we hired a, a minibus. The whole family, we put everything, we ran away. And it took us uh, about 24 hours to get to our village. So we've been there. Taliban even came out in our village after us. Oh. We ran away from there as well. So then uh, we've been living in different villages by villages and mountain by mountain, and the war was going on. So then uh, I decided to no life for me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, my sister husband was in Pakistan, so my sister needed to go to Pakistan, and I said I'm going with my sister. So I came with my sister to Pakistan, and my brother-in-law, sister husband, he helped me. I borrowed some money from him, and uh, my plan was coming to UK to settle in here and uh, to to get a better life. Yeah. So the journey started from. Afghanistan, running away from Taliban. Which year was this, Mark? That was, uh, I arrived in UK. Uh, exactly Which year did you leave to go to Pakistan? Um, 1999. Okay, yeah, so 20, 23 years ago. Yeah, same year. And that year, I stayed in Pakistan around uh, three months. So by the time I got the visa for Kyrgyzstan mm-hmm. and made my passport, it took about two, three months. Then I flew from Pakistan to Kyrgyzstan and on the way, uh, from Kazakhstan, went to Moscow. From Moscow, went to Ukraine. From Ukraine, went to Slovakia. From Slovakia, went to Czech. From Czech, I came to Germany. From Germany, then uh, I came to London. I flew from Germany. I came to Gatwick Airport. Okay. Now I remember that's Gatwick Airport. So when I came, I didn't even know what what airport was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but people are going to wonder why you didn't stay in Germany when you arrived in Germany. What made you want to springboard to England instead? Uh, uh, people were saying. Uh, in here uh, is, is a good country. They is being a uh, they are humanitarian, accepting people as a refugee is mm-hmm. better than Germany. So then I decided to come here and have a better life and help my family. Yeah. And that was which year? That was seventh uh, of July, nineteen ninety nine. So in the in one year from Pakistan to here, you managed to get all that uh, way. That took me all the journey from uh, Pakistan. It took me three months. To get to UK, all right, and uh, I spent it around sixteen uh, uh, thousand American dollars, US dollars, yeah, to get here, and that was in nineteen ninety nine. Mm. Do you regret it? Uh, not really, because uh, I'm having good life in here. My kids are growing up here; they're going to school, and uh, they're happy here. I can help my mom and dad, mm-hmm. and they're happy from me. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm doing knowledge. Uh, so if I wasn't here, I wouldn't meet you. You're a very nice person. So. Uh, 
So, uh, you're welcome here. Yeah, and uh, this is my journey, which I'm quite happy. You know, it's a hell, hell of a journey. And I'm one of, uh, believe it or not, I'm one of the luckiest one. Mm, yeah, one of the luckiest one. But sometimes when I look at the people, our people in kind of in, in back home, it's very painful, and uh, it's heartbroken, mm. and I cannot do anything for them, and that is really that is more hurting me. Yeah, more hurting me. So uh, I hope uh, everything goes better in our country and people get a better life. It's very um, unlikely at the moment, isn't it, to to get Absolutely better? Absolutely right. So yeah. um, you're looking at. 50, 60 years for anything to slowly, slowly change for the positive. I, I, I don't think so, because the people at the moment, the mentality they got at the moment, um, I don't see any uh, future, a, a better future in Afghanistan, especially the way is uh, this uh, Western country, America, is backing the Taliban. Mm. And uh, so the future is not, I can't, I can't see. In my yeah. life, but I can't, yeah. I can't see any future oh, in this. Not at all. Yeah. Mm. And Naj, how did you get here? Well, I came same as quite same journey. We, you know, most Afghan people like that. You know, really. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I asked one of my, I asked Ned the other day how he got here. He said I got on a plane and just flew here. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, same as uh, uh, him. Same journey almost. Yeah. yeah. So you went? Did you go to Pakistan and come I through several countries? To, yeah, Pakistan. From Pakistan went to Iran. From Iran went to Turkey. Well, um. um the the uh, the last moment we did like we we lived in Afghanistan because too much pressure on us and the situation uh, came you know very bad and bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, older brother's been in a capture by Taliban. He's broken his arm, and he left earlier than you know us. And he's going to go for a few months in Moscow and I come back. You see how it goes. Then it's getting worse, worse. He says, don't come back. He stayed there, and he was mm-hmm. there, and then. He moved from there, same as his, him, like came to the Europe and then from Europe all the way come back to UK. Yeah. Uh, so why was this route, why did they follow a route going to Moscow? It seems to be... Because it's a step, either way you go to Iran and Pakistan or you go to Moscow. Okay, That's as a stop off. Yeah, they come out from Afghanistan, That's mm-hmm. the routes. Yeah. And then um, my younger brother was, uh, he's been uh, um, kidnapped as well for 21 days. So, because we had a good life as well, and my dad was at the manufacturers back home. He got yeah. a lot of, you know, 10, 15 people work for him. He was, we were very young, brother, sisters, go to school and stuff. And this situation getting bad and worse and worse. We used to live in capital, uh, in Kabul, we lived there. And then as, you know, Taliban's, uh, you know, we heard of Taliban's coming. My dad was kind of happy. He said, okay, he's getting better, you know, better life and, you know, situation going to be better. When they, you know, almost close to the approach to the city, getting worse, killing, chopping. He said, no, that's not right people. Mm. And then uh, my dad was beaten up by them. And we ran away from uh, capital. And uh, minibus ahead, you know, uh, three families. It was a two, three o'clock at night. I can't remember. Tapping my shoulders. My dad was hit. This is quite, you know, the darkness. And then took us to the bus. I went to north of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. ran away from there. So it was the cities where from the problems from were. Kabul, we ran away from Kabul, from the town. Yeah. And for a week, they, my neighborhood doesn't know. No one's living here. After a week time, they find out that no one living in the in the house. We're already in a, in a, a Mazar Sharif, you know, yeah. a different part of uh, Afghanistan. We, we moved there. And did you own the house that you left behind? Yeah, yeah, my dad's house. And yeah. we went there, and he, because he had a 35, 40 years, you know, job, business he had he left every single things just with the clothes nothing could oh. take the night time the fridge everything put the curtain closed and just out of the house he left everything behind wow we went there and he said we're gonna stay for a couple of weeks and then a couple of weeks time we're gonna come back should be fine everything gonna be set you're getting worse 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 we've been there for five six years after that yeah and then they came taliban again they you know by force and they captured that country the uh, city as well from there, killing, chopping stuff. Again, my younger brother's been kidnapped and uh, for 21 days and my mom couldn't eat and drink, sleep, anything, you know. She became half a person. Yeah. And then blaming my dad's why not left before the country. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, so we made the decision, my dad's, we have to leave the country, that's it. Did your dad leave as well? Yeah, yeah, and then we everyone left, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you all managed to get to here? Yeah. 
Oh, good. Yeah, that's like um, we always saying. We are thanks God we are the most lucky people out of the country. So we yeah. left everything behind from yeah. there, and a complete fresh start. You have nothing. Yeah. You just yeah. start from Come the beginning back again. The Pakistan, Iran, went to Turkey, went mm. to Greece, come to Italy. Yeah, you know, same you know, town to town, city to city. Yeah, and France and France are here. And here you are on the verge of completing the knowledge. Yes, a great yeah. achievement, Mo. You you told me an absolutely horrific story the other day. Do you think you could repeat that? Okay, it's uh, about um, my father-in-law family. Father-in-law, yeah. yeah. Uh, they established a construction company. It's called uh, Northgrade. And uh, they bought a machine, a digging well machine, which was quite expensive, around 120,000 uh, US dollars. And um, they was working with Americans as well. They get in contract and uh, digging the wells and get paid by Americans and by different companies. So they bought the machine and uh, uh, the route from Kabul to Kandahar. Mm. This is a drilling machine, isn't it? Yeah, a drilling, drilling machine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the route from Kabul to Kandahar is very uh, long way to go, and the the route was. Uh, not rose like in UK. Yeah. It's been uh, blown up by bombs, a lot of potholes, and yeah. uh, it's very bad route. So no one was uh, willing to go with the machine because of danger. So my father-in-law, he said, okay, um, he was a very good man, very brave man. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, I'm going with the machine. And there's a, they hired two uh, guards with the AK-47 to escort them all the way to, on the way to Kandahar. No one stopping on the way. So by the time they got to Kandahar and uh, the mafia, they took the machine and they killed my father-in-law. And they... Uh, Did they kill the bodyguards? Uh, the bodyguards ran away. They Because you cannot stand against them. The two bodyguards, they can't do anything. Yeah. So after that, uh, after killing my father-in-law, they put my brother-in-law in prison. He was in prison for four months. Uh, this is the part that was really hard to understand. So your brother-in-law goes to prison, even though he had nothing to do with killing your father-in-law and nothing to do... His only problem is the machine has been stolen and they need someone to be responsible yeah, for the... the machine s- was there. Everyone knew where is the machine. Ah. The machine was there. They knew the person name as well. But there was no one could go to approach to that person to ask him why he have taken the machine. So machine was there, even after that, uh, three people, young boys, and uh, they graduated from Afghanistan University as an engineer, civil engineer. Mm-hmm. They went there uh, to discuss with the same person to get the machine back. So they went and uh, three of them got killed in a, outside the same person's house, shot dead all three of them. Yeah. As I showed you the pictures as well, yes. with the bullets and everything. Yeah, it was horrific. So, uh, this, uh, be honest with you, when we are uh, complaining from uh, Taliban, even the uh, previous uh, government, the guy came from uh, America, he was running a restaurant. Yeah. We had 20 years, we had uh, two presidents, both of them had a restaurant in America. They came from by American forces to Afghanistan to listen what America says. They came there and they destroyed the country. They, whatever happening today, been taken over by Taliban. People have not livelihood. The main fault is them two people, them two previous presidents. Yeah. Well, you feel you had a chance to make it better, but they didn't. Absolutely. Billions of dollars came to the country, but all of them, they've been, they've been plundered by them two people, by mm. their relatives, by their uh, villagers, by their people, by mafia, and them people. So the country... Uh, People at the moment are struggling because of them too. And mm-hmm. Taliban came because of them too, and all of them. But still, there's a lot of stupid people in the country. Still, they follow them. Mm-hmm. Same people who destroy the country. Still, they're calling them, uh, uh, they are our uh, greatest, uh, uh, what do you call, we call it Rahbar. They are our greatest... Uh, um, assets? Uh, no, it, assets you can say like... Uh, in here, prison, like in here, the people they follow, like Churchill. Mm-hmm. Then oh. people calling them like as a Churchill. Efsani, legend? Legend, legend. The reason the legend, because they destroy the country. They haven't built nothing. Mm. So people, 
should grow up and uh, they should have a broad minded and see what happened to the country and uh, that is uh, the story about my father in law family yeah. believe it or not that is nothing it's, this happened to the people worse than that yeah you don't you don't see them you don't listen to them you cannot hear them because their voices can't get in here no one listen to them mm. it's millions of people like that and uh, their their lives are full of uh, horrific stories and uh, i don't think there's uh, any family in afghanistan not suffer yeah because of what happened in afghanistan for the last 20 years since but behind all of that believe it or not behind all whatever happened uh, america and british forces could do better mm-hmm. but they haven't done a great job yeah So all the refugees now coming to the UK uh, it's not because of uh, they wanted to come to the UK because uh, the British government with America government they made people to come in here mm-hmm. so when they come in here they should accept them mm-hmm. because whatever happened in Afghanistan it because of them countries mm-hmm. sadly yeah yeah and um, you're here now working away Now you're working in you're still working in yum yums. I'm not stopped for the moment. They keep calling me always. So anytime if I go they want me to. So yep. at the moment maybe if I finish here I'll just go for a weekend sometimes you know, yeah. just for a Well yeah, and I've got a friends though. I mean it's like a lot of customers they know me as well. Yeah yeah, I was very very they want good. Me, yeah, they want me so yeah. You're in demand that uh, you can make know, a mean gin and tonic. I don't know I'm doing the knowledge at the moment. Ah. I just keep it if I go I go with my badge. Okay. Ah, uh, be nice surprise and then yeah, celebrate. Yeah. Okay. So if do you have obviously got friends here in England that are from Afghanistan uh would you encourage those to do the knowledge or you you think this has been too difficult to do I I've been in uh, on in 2004 or 5 uh, when the public carriage office was in Penton Street I went there to get a form for to do the knowledge when I went there uh I queued on reception and then uh When my turn up well, the my turn comes they ask me I told him I want to a black up knowledge can I have the form uh, when they look at me they say obviously uh, I'm foreigner they look at me do you have a British passport first question they ask me I say no I don't have that time I had four year visa mm-hmm. then they said to me you can't do it so then I walk after the place that was in 2004 or five I can't remember exactly yeah. there and I, that's it Then I carry on doing me and my mini cabin was uh, busy with my life. Well, I one night I picked someone I used to work in uh, Harwood uh, cars by Harwood station. Mm-hmm. I picked an Englishman, he sat front, he was living in uh, Renham. Then he, he was a black cab driver and he said to me, why are you not doing the knowledge? You're wasting your time in here. and you are uh, uh, from ethnic minority they need you you have to come to the knowledge that was the first english person which really encouraged me mm-hmm. so when i listened to that person then uh, i was thinking yeah i can do that i know london let's try give it a go then uh, next day then i call ahmed my friend i said listen let's do it say yeah i'm doing it so we applied online and we got got the form everything we filled in and uh, now i'm here yeah i started the knowledge uh, because of uh, one very nice english person i cannot remember his name uh, from howard wood from Haru, from from Raynham. oh from Raynham, from which, Raynham who was yeah. already a taxi driver yeah he was a black yeah. cab driver and i was a minicab mm-hmm. uh, working in harwood station by harwood mm-hmm. station yeah so he said to me to the knowledge don't waste your time and uh, that person really encouraged me and since i started the knowledge every single person which i know from my country i encouraged him mm-hmm. i told him come i help you i will guide you i'll show you what's the easiest way mm-hmm. the quickest way but what you have to do you have to work hard mm-hmm. and i've been encouraging every single person and i think a few people is uh, already bought a book from you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well i noticed the the number of afghanis doing the knowledge is quite high 
in relation to the percentage of the population that's Afghani. So there are quite a few of you. I mean, there's a, a lot that have been through the school already in the past. Yeah. I've got several Afghanistan cab drivers out there that have come through over the years. Um, and they had some amazing stories. I mean, they'd come over from the lorries in the back of the lorries from Calais in the freezer trucks and stuff like that, which is amazing. Um, Ned, so you're, you're doing the same encouraging people, but your journey, how did you come about to start the knowledge? Well, I was um, working in my previous job and then the customer as well. What was the previous job? I mean, the, as a bartender. Oh, you still, yeah, in Yum Yums? Yeah. So you've uh, always worked in Yum Yums as the bartender? Yes. And then, um, the, you know, there's a customer come always, you know, is it, he was doing studying. I said, yeah, how was the study? He said, I was, I was hearing my cousin was doing at that time as well. And he was just about to finish as well. He's saying good about things, stuff. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm just almost finishing. And disappeared after us for, you know, for some times. He came back again. He was so happy. He said, I'm happy. And then, you know, I said, I don't know how to start, how to do it. He said, hey, man, just start it. You know, this is the way. Yeah. He showed me. So your school. cousin had already done it? My cousin was just about to finish that yeah. time. Yeah. What's his name? Atta. Atta. Do yeah. I know him? Yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was doing his wizard as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do. He know. was there with his friend as well. Because they, are, um, they had experience of the knowledge of London already. Yeah. Or they are like over 10 years uh, drivers in London. Yeah. So me, like uh, home and work, that's it. I don't know, nowhere, nothing. I was blank. I said to uh, guys as well, I said, I don't know nothing about London. Yeah. East, West, North, I don't know nothing. If they ask me, I don't know. And now? And I was would take me for the run. They asked me which way city. I said, I was blank. And, I was, and they would be angry with me. And you know? I said, I don't know nothing. Yeah. I, I can understand now when I go up and down, like, you know, in the city, I feel thanks, you know, for the knowledge. Is it understanding, you know, sometimes when I'm driving, I'm doing Uber as well currently as well, just, you know, for yeah. the, you know. I, when, we, when I started yeah. uh, 30 years ago, my friend said to me, you're doing the knowledge, it's easy, you know London. And I worked Covent Garden from the age of 15. Yeah. I'd done 10 years working Covent Garden, so I knew Covent Garden. Okay. Brilliant. He said to me, he also worked Covent Garden. And he went away and done the knowledge and became a taxi driver at the same time as working Covent Garden with me. He said, you can do it. It's easy. Look, take me from the Strand to Buckingham Palace. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I, I work in Covent Garden. I don't know how to get from the Strand to Buckingham Palace. I live in the East End, so I always go home this direction. So we, you come to this, and I, I kind of always felt when, when you're going to learn the knowledge, I do tend to think sometimes it's actually a benefit to know nothing before you start. So that when you do start, you kind of, uh, you just take it all in. I have met many people over the years who come and they say, oh, always, whenever I'm speaking to minicab drivers, yeah, I want to do the knowledge because I know London already. I'm a minicab driver. And you think, well, you may know London already, but you really don't know what you're in for. And the complacency that a lot of them have, that they think they know something. But what's hard about the knowledge is the language. So it's okay saying you know London. It's okay saying I know how to get to Buckingham Palace. Yes, that's true. Now tell me word for word every street and every left and right turning. Then you know the knowledge. And it's that aspect that I find a lot of the minicab drivers when they come along, they misunderstand that part. They think, I just need to know my way around. No, you need to learn to speak your way around perfectly so the examiner understands you. And that is an enormously difficult thing. So the achievement of being able to do this, which you are both so close to doing, I'm going to be here when you pass out. I'll come up and meet you when your badges are handed out. You're going to be 80,000 something. <laughs> Once I was uh, doing, um, um, I was thinking of the doing knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I was like six months or a year. I was doing almost a year. I was doing work in a pizza shop. Okay. I was doing inside, in, uh, in and out. All the work and job I was doing. Delivering pizzas. Delivery pizzas as well. I don't know, no clue to be honest. They will show me the map. It's not even training outside how to do it like yeah. professionally. Like, you know, it's take me from here. I was um, looking at the map. I was counting how many streets is there on route and writing down like uh, after 10. I was writing before and after the road as well. Yeah. I'm missing. I was to make sure if I'm going forward or backward. I was raining as well, writing down uh, with a pen on my hand. And I was riding like, I don't know how far is it. I'd never been in my life first time. Which area is this? Um, it's especially um, the Kingsland, Kingsland Road. Oh, okay, all yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, Shortest High Street, almost Shortest High Street, the pizza shop there. Yeah. And I was going forward to um, Stoke Newington, that way. 
always going to main main road. I was writing down. If I go, I was, I was drawing like you know the roads. How many been there? I was I was doing drawing in my hand as well. Yeah. That's why he's good in knowledge at the moment in the same area. In that random area. He likes the Kingsham Road, Shoreditch, Stoke Newington. Yeah. yeah. So Do you know Barrett's Grove? Barrett's Grove, yes. You know Barrett's Grove? Do you yeah. know Barrett's Grove, yes, man? Stoke Newington. But it's closed now. You can't get to. You can't get through. Number 10 Barrett's Grove was the house I was born in. Wow. It's a school good. in the corner, a uh, church. I don't know it. I was yeah. born there and I left straight oh, away. Really, yeah. So my, my family are all um, Roman Road, Bonner Street yeah. uh, based. And. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I think my mum and dad had an argument and uh, I, my mum went away and they, she was in the house in Barrett's Grove and she was pregnant and I was born in their house. So um, I'm ashamed of it because it's kind of not exactly the East End. So we, we was taken away from my roots and born somewhere else and then came back the next night. So um, yeah, Barrett's Grove. Oh, Suleiman. Suleiman is passed out. Suleiman How do you feel just, about it? Just finished our song. No, he's finished. Suleiman <laughs> is another Afghani student and he's now yeah, got he's, his wreck. Yeah, he's got um, yeah, recently. Just a couple of weeks back, isn't it? Yeah. And then I'm so happy for him as well. Yes, and he I, was crazy but how amazing yeah, i started with him to be honest um, yep. yeah um, i don't know no clue nothing i was uh, i haven't finished my blue book and he said i hate that he's doing as well i didn't know about him he's doing it yeah and uh, my brother said he's doing as well i said i was shocked that's okay and he said he's not going to come to me because i'm you know I've, i'm blue book he's be, i'm beginner he's ahead as well yeah so he was showing me like a lot of places to be honest he was a bit guiding me as well you yeah, know, yeah. I was thanks for him anyway yeah how long did he take do you know to be honest, I don't know exactly, in fact, how much yeah. time he spent before. Um, because I want to start when I came to the school, that all the school, we come join together. Yeah, he hasn't got but his he badge He was yet. done before, though, yeah. When does he get his badge? Um, he just, last week, last week, is he finished last week? Yeah, he's, he's got, got his badge? His, no, no, he got his rec. He's got uh, last week, rec, yeah, last week. Yeah, so yeah. he's going to get his badge in maybe five, six, seven weeks. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. You both have young families. Yeah. So it's quite hard. You have a daughter. Yeah. And you have do- two daughters? Uh, I have uh, five children. You're joking, Mo. I didn't know. <laughs> Mo has five I, children. I have... Uh, From five uh, different women? Uh, I've got um, uh, one woman. I love her. Yeah. Uh, sh- uh, she's a very good woman. She looks after my family, my kids, everyone. She's a hardworking woman. And uh, I got married in 2004. She came to this country 2007. And uh, I've got five kids. My daughter, she's 17. She's uh, in Mayfield School, sixth form. She's at the moment doing a science. She wants yeah. to become a doctor in here. Wonderful. And my son, he's uh, the same uh, school. And he's an intelligent boy as well. He support my city. He's a Manchester City supporter. Yeah, and my other son, he's crazy of football. He's uh, eight years old. And he's a very clever, intelligent boy. And every month, believe it or not, he gets certificate with a medal from the school. Mm. And uh, he supports West Ham. <laughs> well, yeah. he's a good, loyal local boy. That's yeah. At least he has the right idea. Yeah. So always they're arguing yeah. at home. When West Ham loses, they're arguing. Yeah. So I tell my oldest son, you are a, a glory hunter. Yeah, absolutely. Support, yeah, absolutely. So West Ham is our local uh, yeah. club. So we should support our locals. And um, I've got a disabled daughter. She yep. born with a problem. She's about ten years old. Uh, I've got a baby. Uh, she's uh, nine months now. Oh my! Yeah, yeah. Very busy family, <laughs> hardworking family, and uh, I'm busy as well doing knowledge. Yeah, so everyone's busy in their life. Everyone's happy. Oh wow! Five kids, and uh, Naji's the smart one. Uh, you have one daughter. So one yeah, at the moment, yeah. At the moment, you, yeah. you're going to have more. We'll see uh, after knowledge. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> children are hard work. There's the, Mo's a crazy man. Five children? My goodness. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. Those days are over, Mo. No one has five children anymore. You're a lucky man. It's lovely to have a lot of children, but my goodness. One child is hard. Two child, children is probably as good as it gets. And beyond that, it's just insanity. I don't know how the energy you need to my, keep... Uh, Mom and dad, we are 12 brothers and sisters mm-hmm. back home. 12 from one mom and dad. And five is... Uh, is I, know, I I can agree with that. Why Was it 12 of your mom and 12 of your dad? So it was 24 aunts no. and uncles? 
12 all together. Okay. Because my, my family was a little larger, funny enough. My mum and my dad, my dad is 11 brothers and sisters and my mum is nine, I think. So we're 20. I think I have 20 blood okay, aunts okay. and uncles, not including uh, the ones they married. I'm not talking about that. I'm just myself. We are... You're 12. We are 12. Oh, yes. you're, oh you are part of a 12 family, yes. not your mum and dad's yeah, family. That's You've I'm got okay. 12 brothers and sisters. Yeah, your mum had 12 children. 12 children, yeah. My Yeah, so compared, compared to 12, 5 is very small family. It is very, well, it's 50% reduction immediately. <laughs> 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 what did you have, Nat? We are a seven brothers and six sisters, yeah. 13. 13. <laughs> we are the highest number on our relatives. So, Ali, they got football, <laughs> football. You got, yeah, yeah, you could play. One a spare, one, two yeah. spare one to play. You got subs- yeah. really? You're 13 and you're 12. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because the thing is, uh, those days there's no TV much. There's no, no TV, internet, yeah, but you still no, don't <laughs> <laughs> no excuse. There's no TV, but we still don't have to have a baby. <laughs> Would you fancy having a baby? There's no television. Oh dear. So I imagine as well there's television now in um, Afghanistan. It's all nice and. No, there's television. You can't see nothing. Oh, the tele- they stopped everything. All the music, music, serials. You cannot watch anything. The only thing you can watch, you might see a few mullahs with the big uh, turban. Yeah, come here. We'll give you some advice, but the, you don't have a bread to eat. Mm. But you have to listen to the advice. Yeah, that's what they can tell you. They try to wash your brain slowly, slowly, mm. in a different way. Yeah, you did that's mention about there. buying bread the other day. You go, yeah, you go to any bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to my mom recently, and uh, they, she said to me, it's very, very painful when I go there to buy a bread. And he said, in front of every single bakery, there's hundreds of people sitting there. And when you go by, and they all of them raise their hand to help me give me a bread. They don't want any, like, uh, uh, like uh, any biryani or kebab or anything they want just a piece of piece of bread, bread to eat and that's mm. it yeah it's a, a, a dire sad, dire situation it? yeah, yeah. It's very sad well hopefully things are much better for you here hopefully um, well they are much better for you here and hopefully you're going to be passing out very very soon driving cabs being yeah. a credit to the licensed london taxi trade um i'm really really pleased that i have met you and began began to know you and become friends it's uh, been a pleasure for me, and uh, it's going to be a great pleasure to see you with badges. Really, thank you, Dean. And believe you or not, all, all, always, we boys, uh, especially we Afghani boys, we admire you. Whatever you created in here, you build this uh, school and the environment which you provided uh, everything in here for us. It's amazing, mm. and uh, without you, we wouldn't be able to finish this. Of yeah, so Mint. far we are serious. It's not because you're sitting in front of me. Yeah, I think maybe. You <laughs> always admired you for that. You are a gentleman. You. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. We mentioned to boys as well. I said, I especially, when it's my partner, and I say to them as well, I think we are the most lucky students in London. We have this kind of such, we like a home. Mm-hmm. We have a toilet, we have a, you know, a kitchen. It's like a home. Yeah. Anytime you go, anytime you come, no one say to you anything or pick on you, say something to you, or, you know, disrespect anything. Everything there, like you know, no one's can do that one. Honestly, is is I don't think we are the most lucky. And said thanks to Dane always. So honestly, oh, thanks to thank Dane. This opportunity we have. Mm. I'm I'm busy. I can't do my study. I'm I'm not worried, and it's not gonna go nighttime. This, my, is, this know, is the only. I cover some part of my study. Yeah. This, yeah. So, this is the only school Dean uh, which will suit for everyone mm. anyone who work during the day they can come at night mm. if you work at night you can come during the day there's no excuse you got this is the only place which you can come anytime yeah well with 24 hours a day yeah. it's been lovely uh, an advantage so to have it's good well good. i love you both it's been lovely talking to you both and i know there's a hundred thousand other stories that i'd love to listen yeah. to and tell um the main aim this really is to just show other Afghanis in London, if they're watching this video, that you too t- can do the knowledge and that the knowledge is a great achievement. It's an incredible achievement, even more so, as I said, because the fact this is not your first language and this is not your first city. And London, by city standards, London is a very big, sprawling city. I mean, it's, it's yes. a 
is a difficult city to learn, but it's a wonderful city and it's a wonderful city to work in. Um, and as taxi drivers, um, oh, you're going to be a real honor to have you uh, working I, in it. I remember then I was a uh, long time ago, I was uh, I dropped someone in London. I uh, came from, I, I told you I used to work in Essex, Romford, in Harrowwood, I was mm-hmm. Brentwood, that area. So uh, I picked someone, I dropped him somewhere in London, I can't remember where. So one of my friends called me and I was start talking to him. So I've been driving for 10, 15 minutes. I end up exactly the same place at traffic light, which I was 10, 15 minutes ago. I told him, please go. I, can, I lost myself. Exactly the <laughs> same place I was 10, 15 minutes ago. So as you know, London is very complicated. Yeah. If you don't know, you'll get lost very quickly. Mm-hmm. So knowledge will make you better to find your way. And isn't it wonderful now that you know London in the way that you do, how small it suddenly seems? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd always I tell my friends, uh, I encourage them to do the knowledge. I tell them probably uh, the f- when you start, uh, the first blue book is a bit hard. Then the second blue book will become a bit easier. Then the third one is easier. Then the fourth one is the easiest one because most of the rules will be in fourth and third, which is on first and second. Yeah. So you already memorize them. You know where they are located. So... It's better you start, but don't do not leave you in the first one. Once you memorize the first one, then the second, third, the fourth one will come. It gets easier and easier as you go. And, and then you have to start doing the real work, which is Absolutely. point to point. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And one thing, uh, Dean, as well, uh, one of my cousins came from Europe and asked me, take me from Hackney to Victoria Station. You so try to go back to a station and go yeah. to a different uh, city. And... I was struggling to, I was thinking, I was new driver as well, and the navigation as well. I was kind of looking, I was panicking. i never been inside the city and I had to get in, I had to, you know, see in the roads, the one-way system, the stuff. I was struggling myself, too much pressure on me, but, you know, it doesn't know. Mm. And he asked me, how long have you been living in this country? I was ashamed. I said, um, I would just try to ignore the, his, you know, his question. <laughs> I say that it's not far distant from Hackney to Victoria Station. Not much, you know. It's, mm-hmm. But is I was uh, struggling, and after that, I was just scratching my head. I said, you know, I said, if if you if you, someone asks you from different country, if you ask some some information, you struggle. If you live in some city, you so you have to have some uh, still a bit of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this knowledge, you know, I ask me someone, you know, where is this place? Where is this place? You can't excuse. Just it's, it's good to know. It's good knowledge if yeah. you, it thinks you know. Is beneficial for you and more information and more interesting as well. A lot yeah. of places in London, like you know, very interesting places. If you know it, if you don't yeah. know, it's hidden place. Well, I, I again, I have some experience. I've driven in lots and lots of cities, and I, I find the city I live in now in Izmir is very easy mm. because it's a big bay, so mm. the shape is very easy. But I found Berlin very difficult. So you're in Berlin, and they they tell you to go to a train station, or you've got to take a friend to a train station. You have zero concept, and I think people don't understand. Now we know London. When you're in a new city, you have zero concept of which way is north, east, south, and west, let alone anything. So you're literally, you don't know which way you're pointing. You don't know which way the road has just turned off slowly and taken you facing another direction. Mm -hmm. You've got no clue whatsoever. So, and without the map and without actually studying, it's very difficult to understand a city unless you're in and out all the time. I imagine as well a lot of foreigners when they come to London, if you're using the underground... You must have no idea where you no are. No idea. You're on the underground all the time. You want someone ask me about the underground? I have no idea. Because mm-hmm. always I drive overground. <laughs> road <office. laughs> you're I have no idea about underground. Whenever I go, sometimes I use underground. Every station I go, goes to someone and ask him from here, which train I have to catch to go yeah. there. So they will guide me, then I'll follow their direction. And um, we... Normally, we people come from back home. They were saying someone uh, came from back home and started driving. There was a big roundabout. He was driving round and round, but he lost himself. <laughs> he lost himself. Someone called him. He said, this is a dangerous driver. He's driving round and round and roundabout, so he's not going nowhere. He's creating chaos. So someone called the police. Here? In here, yeah. And the police came and stopped him. He said, what's going on? Then guy said, this roundabout is a problem. He said, no, not roundabout. You are the problem. The roundabout is the same roundabout, but you don't know. <laughs> Why couldn't he get off the roundabout? Uh, so, because he, there's a, a lot of exit, so he didn't know which exit to take. <laughs> so this is, the roundabout is a problem. The police said, no, <laughs> you're the, the roundabout. Problem. You are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, roundabouts. Uh, I don't know how they work in Afghanistan, but in t- in Turkey they're terrible because roundabouts two way in Afghanistan. 
a roundabout is two way. All, all roundabout, of them. I think it's all of them. Isn't it most of them? Isn't it? Uh, the roundabout. Yeah, is, the roundabout. As far yeah. as I remember, it's, it's two, two ways. Way. Yeah, you're two right. Way. Yeah, it's two way. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> There's no line there. Yeah. They know where they do. It doesn't go. matter which no. way you go. You can whenever, go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I used to go home, back home, uh, my brother they used to drive me around. Mm. They asked me, "You're not driving?" I said, "No, I can't drive right now." But I used to be drive back home. Yeah. Since I came, I get used to driving here. Follow the the rules. And there, there are no rules. No, no, no rules. No rules. You have to be, uh, if you're playing a game, you're good at game. So you're a good, better driver in Afghanistan. Yeah. So if you're not good playing a game, so you can't be driving. No, I can, yeah. yeah, similar. Well, the rules in Turkey for the roundabout is that they try to change to be like the European law that you give way to traffic on the roundabout. But the old law was that the, the traffic on the roundabout gives way to the traffic coming onto the roundabout. Okay. So now you have the confusion of the old driver who thinks, I'm going to drive the old way, which means um, I am coming onto the roundabout, so you are on it, you must stop for me. And then you have the new driver who thinks, you're coming onto the roundabout, and I am in the right way, so you okay. must stop for me. Oh. And you get this chaos, and then you get the ones where they all stop. They're stopping to let you on. You're stopping to let them on, and it's start building up. Why? Why? Yeah. Do, why they don't take uh, the rules from Afghanistan both way and both way, both well, way. So well, they kind of do. They kind of do. <laughs> uh, in Turkey, they're not super bad drivers. I don't want to st- uh, say that they are, but there are a, a percentage that's. And I think it comes down to this with every country. It's the percentage of how many bad drivers you have, and I estimate about fifteen percent to twenty percent of Turkish drivers are bad. Bad in the sense that the 20% probably are the ones who think they're the best because they drive the fastest, they drive the most forceful, um, they don't care about anything, the road is for them. I had a friend whose son got killed in a car crash and he said, when he was telling me how he got Mm -hmm. killed, he was putting the blame on the other driver but as he was telling me, I was thinking actually it was your son's fault. He was driving on the motorway super quick and as he came up behind the car in front of him, he got very close to the car in front of him and he was flashing the car in front of him, to move. get out of the way, get out of the way. And they're doing maybe 130, 140, 160 kilometres an hour flashing. Um, he moved, but ha- as he, he was moving too slowly for him, so he was getting closer and closer. Um, and my friend said to me, it's all the man in front's fault. He didn't move out of the way. And as he moved out of the way, he accelerated too quickly and they clipped each other and over they went oh, and uh, he was killed. And it was, it was the fact that my friend's telling me that it was completely not his fault. And I thought, well, everything you just said there sounded wrong. You know, you're dangerous for driving so close, dangerous for driving so fast, dangerous for flashing the person in front to make them get out of the way. And obviously you try to overtake before the car even got out of the way. I remember something which is uh, very interesting. It's, uh, that's good to just come up my mind uh, mm-hmm. Me and my dad, uh, our house was in Kabul, capital, winter village. We come from Baklan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were coming to Kabul and uh, we hired a taxi. So the taxi driver started driving on the way. The taxi driver stopped him. My dad was sleeping in the back seat. So the taxi driver uh, stopped on the, on the road somewhere. The one other person was sitting in the front seat. He jumped, went and knocked the door. And he, they got a plastic bag. In that, pla- in that plastic bag, there was alcohol. So they, al- they bought alcohol. And the route which you take from Baghdad to Kabul is very dangerous. It's a mountain. Blink of eye, you're dead. Mm. You finish. It's a very dangerous route. So then on the way, they... They got their alcohol now, two, three bags. I can't remember. There's plastic bags, white yeah. plastic bags. And uh, my daddy won't have no clue because I went from UK. I knew what's going on. So my 16 was saying, okay, they bought some alcohol. Okay. So we stopped uh, in the restaurant the way we had the lunch and they started drinking. Then the driver. And I told the guy, I said, excuse me, what are you doing? It's dangerous. And the other one say, if he's not drunk, he's a bad driver. Once he's drunk, he's a good driver. <laughs> Believe me or not, exactly the word <laughs> he said to me, I'm repeating in here. Yeah. And believe me or not, I was watching that driver. I was sitting behind him. I was watching that driver all the way to Kabul. If a slightly mistake, 
I was stopping myself, excuse yeah. me, wake up, what are you doing? And I couldn't tell that to my dad because my dad was so serious about drinking alcohol. So I kept that with myself. So your dad didn't know that he had a drink? No, no. I believe on if, if he knew, he would have smashed the driver. Mm. Smashed the driver because it's, uh, it's no good, mm. obviously. In country which is uh, alcohol is prohibited, mm-hmm. selling is prohibited, Drink is prohibited, and especially the driver, driving injury. The driver, <laughs> and there's a no law rules and regulation on the yeah. road. And the, the way we are coming is very people who uh, know that from Bagalon coming to Kabul is a silent pass. It says is is a mountain. Yeah, you got to three four hours. You have to drive from mountain side of mountain. You look below, is a hundreds of meters. Yeah, it's straight down. You're dead. You're finished. You're dead. So for. Four, five hours I was watching that driver and anything. Luckily, uh, so we saved our yeah. And believe me, I didn't say nothing to my dad because she would, he would get very So upset. did he drive better when he was drunk? <laughs> believe it or not, I was not looking to uh, driving or looking to him to keep eye on him. Yeah. Tiny silly mistake. Yeah. Because I passed my license in here in UK. I've been driving in here, UK as a minicab driver, everything. So I knew how to drive and how to, then the way he started, then he's really waiting for me, he's mm. fighting me. I said, no, I have to keep. When was this? Uh, that was, uh, I think, around 2015, Oh, okay, so this is like you that. taking a trip back to Afghanistan yeah, to, yeah, and then yeah, coming back yeah, here, yeah. yeah. And when did you get your British passport? Uh, I got my British pa- passport in 2008. Okay, and you, Nat, when did you get it? Yeah, 2013. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you're a young, young Brit. Yeah. Yeah. No. They're really making hard for the people. I mean, uh, when I applied for my British passport, I paid uh, um, 750 pounds mm-hmm. to get the passport. But now, if you want to apply for a normal visa, uh, you have to pay five, six thousand pounds. Yes. Uh, if you are a working person, how you if you got two kids, your wife and yourself, four people, you have to pay about twenty, twenty five thousand to get the visa in this mm. country. Yeah. It's impossible. It's just Well, this this brings me on to my own circumstances because um, a lot of people feel that it's very, very easy to just come to England and that we need to stop immigration and it's not that um that the government needs to change the rules. But it seems to me that the most immigration here that the people are worried about is actually the illegal immigration where people get into the country illegally. If you try to come to this country legally, it's almost impossible because of the money it costs, the documents you need to supply. It's hard to get. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about that visa you apply back home. I'm talking about here. When you're here. When you're here, you're already here. They give you your settlement. But you, after 10 years, you're living in here. You want to apply for a visa for a British passport for your child, or British passport for your wife or for yourself, yeah. you have to pay thousands of pounds, even when you don't have it, that yeah. money, you have to borrow from someone or you have to use your credit card, or that will break your bank account, break mm-hmm. your, that, that will cost you leg and arm to get that oh, visa. My, my wife is Turkish and uh, we were married in 2012. My wife doesn't have a British passport and, and she was also refused Twice they refused a visa. It took me lawyers and complications. We have two children that have British passports. But my wife, I ended up deciding to get her a 10-year visitor visa, tourist visa. That was the simplest way to get in and out of the country. She wants a British passport. She wants to, but to get the British passport, we have to live here full time. And I don't particularly like living here full time. I'd rather live there. So she has a residence visa, which she gets every two years Mm -hmm. that I have to reapply for and every time it reapply for us it costs us about six thousand pounds to apply for get the documents and be refused we got refused one year and the guy who had obviously read our documents he, he said he just doesn't believe anything i'd sent pictures of our, our wedding and pictures of our holidays and pictures of our children and pictures of our bank accounts and he said i just don't believe you can going to be able to afford to keep your wife if you were living in this country and I'd sent him my business details and everything. Um, so we were refused pretty much for no reason whatsoever. Mm. It was very strict though. Yeah. What I had to do was I was the director of a limited company and not on wages. I had to put myself on wages on income. Mm. 
okay. to show that I got paid wages and then reapply, which basically was costing me more and more money. But once they saw that I had an income, it was okay. Even though I owned the company that was paying me now, I also showed them that the company's assets and everything else beforehand, no, I wasn't getting paid anything. I needed to have a wage, even though my accountant showed them the dividends that I would be paid as a limited company. So it was absurdly difficult, absurdly difficult for the fact that this is actually my wife. And the reason it's become difficult is obviously people were doing the fake weddings and everything else, so they yeah. up the ante. To, so, But what they stop is they stop people who are genuinely like myself married to a woman that i love and can't get here sometime uh, in this country um, instead of uh, making some uh, easier life for the people sometimes they're making harder uh, where i live exactly opposite my door they put a camera school time and camera which in restriction uh, yeah 845 to 945 so then uh, Every time, uh, believe it or not, when I used to work and do the knowledge, when I go home, my daughter, I told you I got disabled yeah. daughter, she wakes up <laughs> four, three in the morning after waking up, sit with her and most of the time in the morning I got a headache, most of the time. I live on painkillers. So they put a camera, three, four cameras, different angles. Believe it or not, by the time I realize, and sometime on the way I realize, oh, I went through cameras. Exactly, you come out of my house, you can see the camera, front of my door. Mm. So I received about 10, 11 tickets, something like that. I applied, appealed against mm. that uh, tickets. They did not accept it. I appealed uh, They did not accept it. They give that ticket to bailiffs. And I contacted, uh, regarding that, I contacted to Citizens Wide Bureau. I sent email, a complaint to Redbridge Council And I complained to our local MP. I had the proof. They know I'm living. And exactly put opposite my door to the camera. So luckily, nothing happened. Yeah. So then uh, by the time the bailiff, I saw that the, I paid more than £2,000 to get rid of them tickets because I was living there. And my son goes to that school. And my other kids, I have to go through them routes to go take, take them to school. And then by the time I realized I should not go them routes, it cost me more than £2,000. Council did not help me. Local MP did not help me. Didn't even reply to my emails. Forget about helping me. Mm. Didn't even reply to my emails. So sometimes they are making life harder yeah. and harder for the people. So many rules in this country. So yeah. many rules. I mean, we're not as bad as America just yet, but we are getting there. When... I was traveling in America. There was a, a parking ticket you can get for not driving into the parking space. If you reversed into the parking space, so your car would be facing the opposite way, you get a ticket and there's a sign up. And the ticket price was really funny. It'd be like $271. It would say $271 fine for not driving into the parking space. Nice. So the man's going to come along and see your car's facing the opposite way. You didn't yeah. drive in, you reversed in, ticket, ticket, ticket. So they've they've decided that someone's decided it's a bright idea that uh, <clears throat> driving into the space is quicker, but obviously you still have to reverse out. So reversing out will be slow. Reversing into a space, perhaps people are not very good at it. It must be that that yeah. the, the, in general oh, yeah. people can't reverse into space. But if they can't reverse into a space, they'll probably be just as bad at reversing out of a space. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so correct, I yeah. can't see correct, yeah. the ticket. Anyway, these are the crazy things that we have to live with. And now, when you become cabbies, you'll find there's a few more advantages to the um, to driving. But you still, when you're mini cabin, you have to watch out for so many things, don't you? For the the mistakes that we can make driving bus lanes, for example. When, uh, Always, uh, I've been driving as a minicab, but uh, uh, black cab drivers, uh, they're really ignoring minicab drivers. When yeah. I become a black cab driver, believe me or not, I wouldn't be like others, mm -hmm. a normal black cab driver. Like, like, like but they're not all the beeping, same, Mo. They're not all the same. Beeping. E even you cannot stop your car in taxi, a, a taxi rank when you're dropping in London. If any black cab driver will see you, will come out, oh, you cannot stop here because it's a taxi rank or blah, blah, blah. He'll give you a mouth and yeah. he, will, he, will, he will destroy your day yeah. for just stopping a minute. 
She was, he's a minicab driver, you're a black cab driver. You have the knowledge, she hasn't done the knowledge. So what's wrong with you? Well, let's see what you do when you see your first minicab sitting on your rank, when you want to sit on it and park on it. Let's see what you do then when you pass oh, out. I believe when I had a bad uh, <laughs> experience, I wouldn't, I wouldn't beep any, anyone. Anyway. No, I tried not to. to. Yeah, when so you drive in London, one of the biggest tips is to be as calm as possible. It's the, you, you don't want to lose your temper. Um, when you do pass out, very often, if you do get angry and road rage, it costs you money because you have to go home. You just can't carry on yeah. working. You get too angry. I told you I was driving uh, for Harrowood cars. Yeah, uh, Harrowood. There's a, uh, a taxi rank. About four or five black cab drivers can park there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but you couldn't see a single black cab driver park up there. They never, always empty, always empty. But when we used to come pick up our fare, we used to come exactly to that taxi rank and pick up and go. Yeah. Okay. So that taxi rank was only for black cab driver. When West Ham was playing, they used to come park their vehicles, <laughs> black cabs there, <laughs> go to watch West Ham game, then yeah. come back and go. So even tearful people, we used to come and park there for two minutes to pick up someone. The Tafel will come with his badge. We'll show this badge. So taxi rank, you cannot park in here. Excuse me, I just I work to see this is the office in front of my office. There's taxi and give us a, a space to come and pick up this our fare. Yeah. And there's a no space for us, but there's an empty place for black cab drivers only yeah. to park there to go watch West Ham game. No power, you know. <laughs> it's one of the perks. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would want to go and watch West Ham because I'm a Millwall supporter, yeah. but you know. Millwall supporter. Yeah. We yes. get along good, that's good. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I am one of those, you have to support the team that is your your locale rather than Manchester City and Absolutely. Liverpool and yeah. Manchester yeah. United. And yeah, anyway, listen, we're going to finish now because it's been an hour and five minutes oh. and it's been a lovely quick chat. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to do one in the future when you've passed out. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll come oh, back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and we'll talk yeah. about fairs and how you're finding it and how you like the Once job. Once pass, uh, Nigel pass, I pass, we'll have the same barbecue party. Okay, we'll have a big barbecue party. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Najib will give us a barbecue party. Yeah. Yeah. Najib can do the bar, you can do yeah, the food, that's it. I'll do the Leave music. The bar for me you, then, yeah. you, you can do the eating. I'll do the eating, I'll definitely yeah, do the eating, yeah. I'm very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Rush. Thanks, oh, thanks so much. Thanks.